Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hey there and welcome to today's Jewelry Navigator podcast. Today my guest is Gigi Ferranti of Gigi Ferranti Jewelry. Gigi is a graduate gemologist and jewelry designer and from an early age she's been influenced by Italian architecture and jewelry design. As a fashion, marketing, and business major, Gigi began her career in management within a large retail clothing chain. She owned and ran her own high-end boutique for 20 years. Then after getting a taste of supplying her boutique with jewelry from the JA New York show, she transitioned into jewelry design, starting by acquiring her graduate gemology credentials from GIA New York. She briefly worked for David Yerman, selecting gemstones for their prominent pieces, then returned to GIA for their jewelry design program. She launched Gigi Ferranti Jewelry in 2015 and hasn't looked back. I met Gigi last summer at the JA New York show, and next week she'll be showing in Las Vegas for the first time for the premiere of the premiere jewelry show in Las Vegas Convention Center. And that's May 30th through June 3rd. She'll be in booth 2203. And premiere, just to give you a little background of them on their website, this is the easiest way to tell you about what their show is all about. Premiere covers all major fine jewelry categories from emerging jewelry designers to major high volume manufacturers and timepieces. And there are three events, you only need one badge that will give you buyers access to Premier, AGTA Gem Fair, and the Las Vegas Antique Jewelry and Watch Show. If you're going to Vegas, make sure you stop by and see Gigi and enjoy this episode of my visit with Gigi Ferranti. How are you? This is my I'm great. This is my first podcast. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's really fun. I've really enjoyed this. I've been doing it for a little over a year now. And it's been interesting to see kind of how I've gravitated. I'm starting to feature more designers because I feel like it's a really good platform for them. And it's a good way for me to share what I feel shoppers and consumers are looking for and what they should be looking for. Right, and I think it's also great um, to share their personal stories. So, 
most designers' personal stories show through in their pieces and their jewelry mm -hmm. and how they market. So I think that's, that's also a plus. Yes. Yeah. No, I think so too. Tell me about your background and where you started before you started your jewelry business. Sure. So um, I was a fashion major and I took um, management, marketing, and business in school. And upon graduation, I worked for a big chain store uh, at The Gap. And so management uh, was key for me. But after several years, it was always a plan for me to open up my own business. So um, after four and a half years, I made the plunge and I opened up uh, a high-end boutique uh, with my sister as my co-partner. And I did that and enjoyed it for basically 20 years. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, my, I, it was a small boutique, and, you know, uh, what, we, what I was really good at was clienteling. So I had a list of about 2,000, you know, names of women that would come in, and basically I would dress them from head to toe, in whatever, for whatever event that was happening, whether it was their christening party or, you know, a bachelorette party or, you know, whatever was happening in their life. And it was in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. And at the time, um, right before I closed, I did have a very large Russian clientele. And it was kind of like, you know, who could outdo each other? <laughs> <laughs> You mean your so customers? I had to be, yes, yeah. Oh, um, good. Nice. That, that, was my, that was my customer base. So, you know, I had to be sharp and I had to be on target. And I did sell um, designer goods. Uh, I sold like Dolce & Gabbana and Diane von Furstenberg. Um, I went down to like casual wear, uh, you know, very sporty wear, Nike and, and Puma and, that, and those styles too. So, I've, I've really done the gamut as far as, you know, fashion goes. So, and I think that my jewelry, um, I think that there's something there for everyone also in my jewelry collections. So that's basically where I started. Um, I closed my store back in 2010. Um, mm -hmm. We had a really good run. It was, why did I close it? It was a little bit the economy. Uh, my, my, my items were, you know, upper upper scale, and I also needed a change personally. Um, I sold fine jewelry in my store at the time, so I would actually visit JA New York, and I would make purchases of, of pieces, and I had a nice showcase where I sold, you know, nice bold uh, jewelry, and I did very well with it. So my interest in jewelry was way back, you know, when I was born, where my grandparents used to bring me back pieces uh, from Italy. So I was always a jewelry lover, and I said to myself, I really want to learn more about, um, you know, the whole, you know, industry. So I went to school. I went to GIA. Uh, I went to the GIA campus in New York, mm -hmm. and I studied on campus for six months. And... Um, it really helps me in designing and choosing the proper gemstones um, for my pieces um, at this point. And 
uh, upon graduation, I did uh, work for David Yerman um, for several months. It wasn't the right fit for me, but I did learn a lot. Um, I was in the gemstone room, and I was grading gemstones that were going into some of his predominant pieces that he sells. And um, so after I finished, uh, I left David Yerman. I went back for jewelry design to also GIA Institute and um, got my jewelry design degree. So I learned how to sketch. Um, I learned all about what stones to use you know, in certain mountings. So if the stones were too soft, not to use them in a ring, maybe to use them in an earring or a pendant where there's less um, you know, uh, friction with you know, everyday working and stuff and what stones to not put in jewelry and just the brilliance and all about, you know, the inclusions and looping them before you buy the stones because if it has certain fractures, you know, you might, your jeweler might crack them as they're putting them in. So there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. And I remember specifically in jewelry design class, um, obviously we had certain tests and stuff. And one of the tests was I had to, design, you know, a customer came to me with certain shapes and size stones, and I had to design a piece within a matter of 15 minutes. It's definitely a strength of mine, and I enjoy doing it. So not only do I have my, you know, collections that I can produce, and I have my castings and my molds, but I also enjoy um, tweaking those molds or taking customers, whether they're private customers or customers that are in my jewelry stores already, um, and making personal you know, pieces for them that have meaning. Okay. Uh, you know what I loved about you giving that, that whole synopsis is being able to see your GIA education at work. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think... I think it's very important. Um, it wasn't easy, especially to do as a second career. So, you know, I was into, in my 40s, and I'm in school with, you know, people that are in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And so it was something that I really, really feel that it was a very large accomplishment. Mm -hmm. um, anybody who's been through the program, especially on campus, uh, could tell you that it, it's not, it wasn't an easy undertaking. Mm -hmm. So I really, I really use it, and I love the fact that um, last year they actually asked me to come back um, as a guest speaker for the um, graduating class. So I was able to share my, my story and inspire, you know, the new students to go out and you know, use what they've learned and always go back to GIA if they need any type of guidance or support. Now I do remember you being featured in, um, as a guest speaker. What a privilege and what an honor to be able to go back around full circle and be able to show the students, you know, this is where you can go. This is one of the directions and, you know, always lean on your education and use it. It's a true gift. Yes, and, and it's a constant learning, and that was one of the things that, you know, I brought up. Um, it, you know, your education doesn't leave when you, 
when you leave GIA and you get your diploma. It's this business is there's always new gemstones being found and um, you know new gemstones being used that weren't originally used in in jewelry you know fashions and stuff. So I think it's a it's an ever evolving just like the business in general um, learning experience. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about some of your designs. I was. I was studying up on them a little bit more, and um, I love how so much of the design and motifs are kind of interconnected, sort of like a contemporary style, but with very feminine but strong undertones. And I love how the theme kind of repeats, like your, is it Lucia? Lucia, Lucia, yes. Yes, so how that diamond, that real feminine diamond shaped form it repeats and I kind of was looking at it thinking you know that resonates with stepping stones and being consistent with who you are but at the same time growing with it you know just like you have you grew with your fashion you you know your fashion industry that segued into a jewelry career yes and I think it's 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 nice to kind of stick in your lane but sometimes you can branch out, but I always have that, you know, basically my, my love is architectural elements, uh, symmetry and balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, uh, previous collections that were very, you know, geometric and architecturally inspired. The Lucia specifically, Lucia means light in Italian, and basically that started because of stained glass windows. So, you know, I visited, you know, Italy and, and, you know, I've been to, you know, other places uh, where the architecture, it doesn't have to be the whole structure, but it could be an element. So it could just be like a portion of the stained glass window or, or, you know, the doors in Italy that have the big, um, you know, motifs on it. It could just be like an element and Mm -hmm. it just sticks in my head. And the way I interpret it, is through my gemstones, so I kind of soften the the angular and bold um, shapes with splashes of color. And I love to use sapphires because they come in a lot of different colors. Um, it's one of the harder stones, and they're very brilliant because of the hardness makes them um, nice to polish, and they have like an adamantine polish, which is almost like diamond-like. Mm-hmm. So it really gives you that um, sparkle um, against the the diamonds as well. But so getting back to Lucia, um, it evolved in a way where it's it, it is a building block. Um, and just segue back for a little bit. Um, my family, I come from a family of builders. My grandfather came to this country and he started a construction company. So he used to build roads and sidewalks in the city, and then my dad took over, and my dad was a builder. He knocked down structures and rebuilt them. So it kind of paralleled with, you know, what I saw as a child growing up of what my dad was doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing it basically with jewelry. You know, yes. when you when you build a design, you're you're basically building it, and you're seeing, well, you know, okay. 
I have the structure. Now, how am I going to decorate it? So when you build the building, you know, you have the actual structure, but what kind of windows am I going to use or what kind of door am I going to use? And, you know, what's, you know, what's going to be the floor, you know? So I think that it, it is kind of parallel to, to my upbringing. And, I mean, that's what I love. And I also love seeing the finished product. So when you have a building, you, can, you start it, and then six months later down the road, you can see your progress as the finished product. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's enjoyable for me as well. So, so cool how you... <laughs> this, it's so fun talking to you about this and getting to know you more, especially through your history, but not only your history, but your family's history, and how you come from a family of architects and builders, and now you're an architect of jewelry. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I have evolved definitely as a designer. Um, I'm still evolving, and that's the fun part for me. So um, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, a creative mind, and I'm really, really actually delving in now to see what, what I'm going to use in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my Lucia is my most popular collection. Um, they're the most, you know, they're selling um, very well. And Lucia was created on the basis of collect, being collectible. So okay. as a previous retailer, um, I always, I was very good, like I said, at clienteling. So I would actually zero in on certain women knowing what they liked, and, you know, the whole thing to business is getting, how do you get the client back in the store? How do you get them back in, you know? Well, maybe you sell them the pants and then you call them later on because you've got a gorgeous top in that went with those pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Lucia is something that's collectible. So you start with one or you start with two and you add on. And to me, an add-on was invaluable because you're getting the client back in the store. Right. Whether it's getting them back on my website or getting them back in my private office or getting back in my retail store, you know, getting them back in London Jewelers, getting them back in Zaltas, mm-hmm. um, getting them back in, you know, Atelier de Emotion in Soho. Um, it's a constant adding on. So whether it's the diamond band and then adding a sapphire. Uh, the pave bands are, are my number one. Mm-hmm. And the satin bands, are also uh, bestsellers because they work really well together because you have the thicker bands with the thinner bands on either side. Right. But it's really, it's really a matter of personal preference, and I, I have so many different ones that could be added to. Um, but it's not just rings. It's, it's huggies and it's um, pendants. And um, the beauty of it is it could be customized. So, right. you know, if you have, I just recently had a client contact me from a store, and it was actually a salesperson in the store, and her daughter just recently had a baby boy. So for Mother's Day, she wanted me to source. Uh, I use very bold, bright uh, colors usually, mm-hmm. but she wanted a baby blue sapphire. Uh-huh. So I made her the pave band with the three stones in the middle of baby blue with uh, surrounded by diamonds 
And it was such, it was a combination of a push present and Mother's Day because she just uh-huh. had the baby. Uh-huh. And she absolutely died over the piece. So um, she, she also has a baby girl, so I'm sure uh, come her next birthday or the holidays, I'm sure she's going to add and I'm going to make a baby blue, baby pink, you know, for her to stack. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it's nice that it is customizable as well. And I love the fact that I can customize it because I like to bring clients' inspiration along with mine into my pieces. Yeah. Whether, yes. whether it's Lucia, I've also done it with Delicato. Um, you know, I use pink sapphires and garnets, but I've also done the whole, you know, the whole collection with um, blue sapphires as well on white gold. Uh-huh. So it's, it's really a joy for me to, um, to customize the pieces as well. Yes. But what I love about that is that they're still getting your signature Lucia geometry. The, yes, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that they are so... They fit so well together. I'm, I'm on your website right now. Like, I'm looking at the Lucia Cabochon ring. Can you stack underneath the band of the yes, Cabochon ring? Yes, you can. So, okay. Yes. So, so those are my most recent um, oh, I collections. See it yeah, I see it now. Yeah. Now that we've reached our cruising altitude, I'm here in the cabin with today's in-flight terminology service. As Gigi and I began visiting her Lucia collection, I mentioned a ring with a cabochon. Cabochon is a style of cutting, actually a polishing. It's a method of polishing a gemstone without facets, where the surface is usually domed, but always smooth. Cabochon cut stones can be any shape, but mostly found in round and oval shapes. Popular stones seen cut as cabochons are garnets, tourmaline, and amethyst, but almost any stone can be polished in a cabochon form. They make big statements and offer a different texture to jewelry styling. I hope you enjoyed today's in-flight terminology service, and as always, thank you for choosing Jewelry Navigator for your latest in jewelry arrivals and departures. Yes. So the cabochons, you know, I didn't have anything that had a bigger stone on top. And I wanted something that, you know, could be worn every day. So I made them two ways. I made it with the diamond surround and I made it without the diamonds, just just Mm -hmm. where the gemstone is speaking to everyone. But they are stackable with, um, you can stack it with a thinner uh, Lucia or, you know, the regular six millimeter bands. And... Um, what's also great about my pieces, or I focus on, and anybody who tries them on, they're very comfortable to wear. Um, and I guess that also comes from my, my fashion, you know, selling clothing background, because if an, if an item is not comfortable on a woman, I don't care how great it looks, a woman is not going to want to take it out of the closet and wear it. Mm-hmm. And I want my jewelry to be, to be worn and to be shown. So when you when you do try them on, and if you've ever uh, come, if you've come to my uh, shows and stuff to try on the pieces, um, they are very comfortable to wear, whether you're stacking one or whether you're stacking three. Mhm. Mhm. No, I know. I've 
the only time I've seen you, and I'll see you again, but the only time that I've seen you is at the JA show in New York last summer. In fact, are you going to be there this summer? Yes, I am. I am doing the August show, and I'm really okay. excited about that one. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I will be there. They do look really comfortable. And I was talking about comfort with jewelry and how designs... I don't know if I'll include this in the in the podcast, but I think it's something that needs to be brought up. How I feel as women designers, women designers consider the comfort factor a lot more than say coming from another designer or or from men, because um, you know earring weight if it's too heavy for a mature woman, it's they're not going to feel comfortable wearing. It's going to pull on their earlobes. Correct, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then just the way the rings, your rings fit together, even though the details are are pointed, they're not sharp. They're soft edges. So all of those considerations together work really nicely for something beautiful that you'll want to wear because it's comfortable and it looks nice. Yes, and it's it's actually a pet peeve of mine. So when I pick up um, a piece from my manufacturer, I try it on and I loop it. Uh-huh. And if I see some, if I see a piece that's not polished or um, a, a sharp edge, I make him repolish it mm-hmm. until it's right. Mm-hmm. And I know I know a lot of um, I'm not the designer that uses raw and kind of it's not edgy, it's not raw, it's a little bit cleaner, um, a little bit more fashion friendly. Um, my market is women like 30 to 55, so I think it reflects in the pieces that I make and the comfort level of the pieces mm-hmm. who I'm marketing to. Right, right, yeah. No, I think that's very important. I mean, something can look nice, but if it doesn't feel nice, it's just going to sit in a jewelry box. Absolutely, yep. I love looking at your designs because there are so many combinations and options. And I can see how, like the Lucia single stone um, bands with the marquee stones. Yes, I, I love those, yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's a whole other you know, possibility for mother's rings or even class rings for you know, using the school colors. You could do so many things with with those styles and different combination of stones. Absolutely, yes. I think one of my favorite, is it Favo? Yes, Favo. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool collection. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure, so um, most of my names are obviously Italian because that's my heritage. Um, favo means honeycomb in Italian, so it, it, honeycomb is a hexagonal um, a geometric shape, and basically it's using the shapes, but also using the play of a, an assortment of where I'm putting the stones that kind of softens it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the shapes are very bold, but um, I also sprinkle you know, the stones around, and I use faceted stones in that, and I also use cabochons mm-hmm. in the, um, you know, the favo, like the three-tier pendants and stuff. So um, I think that 
I wanted to bring a little bit of softness with the with the gemstones and even the, the coloration as well. Um, but I can also customize that, and it could look totally different. You know, if you mm -hmm. threw blue sapphires in that collection, it, it would look totally different. Right. So you you know you you go for a certain look, and um, so so that's also you know symmetry and balance and. You know, you can you can add on. You know, you can you can wear one with just a single diamond, which is just kind of like a a solitaire look. Mm -hmm. um, on the on the paper chain, I used a very interesting chain on that one to just give it a little bit more of a different look. Mm -hmm. um, but also the rings. I mean, the the Favreau diamond ring could be a unconventional engagement ring. True. And if you look at, yeah, if you look at the way the band is made, it, it's, um, I did it a little bit more square. So you can actually um, stack that in the middle of the Lucia, and it, and it looks and fits very, very nicely. Oh, nice. Okay. So I, I designed it in a way where the, the top of that ring is a little bit higher. So uh -huh. the Lucia ring kind of slides right underneath it. I see that. I'm looking at it right now. I see what you mean. I love that you thought about making that a square um, rather than a rounded shank and, and band so that you can stack things up against it and it lays really nicely against it. Yeah, so you can even, I mean, I have the cabochon style also. Uh -huh. So, you know, if somebody wanted to put a very a large diamond in there, I can definitely... Uh, manipulate the CAD to to make it, you know, a large diamond with a halo, okay. and you can use you can use a Lucia stacking band as the wedding band. Right, right. So um, there's a lot of different options, you know. Yes. So this is really important for anybody listening who's curious about Gigi's jewelry. When you go on her site what you see isn't everything she can do. So if you wanted to custom design an engagement ring around her favo shape, I could see so many beautiful combinations with that. So um, definitely take a look at her website under the, the favo collection and just breeze through all of the collections. But there's so many different, um, different opportunities and possibilities for customizing beautiful, beautiful jewelry. I loved how you explained that. <laughs> well, I think it's important for people to know when they approach your booth, no matter where they are, to know that this is a possibility, that what you see isn't everything that you can do. And to ask questions, go to you with customers in mind who might want something you know, really different, or they, they love that geometric, or there's meaning in geometry. Whatever, sure. um, yeah, whatever they can do to make a design translate into what will have meaning for them, you know, that's what we're all going for. Absolutely. And I've also been approached and have done, um, you know, sometimes somebody wants something a little different. They've had their engagement ring for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can use, yeah, I can use the client's, you know, stone as well. So... There's a lot of possibilities there. Good, cool, very cool. Are there any other collections that, oh, wait, I know one that's one of my favorites. 
The one, the locket with the mirror. What collection is that in? Okay, so that's my Gianna collection. That's right. Tell me about that. Sure. So Gianna uh, started, um, my collection started, it's very Pave heavy, which is how I really started as a designer. Uh Um, I love, I love bling. What can I tell you? (laughs) (laughs) I love, I I love diamonds with just splashes of color. Um, the locket was one of my last uh, designs in that collection. Um, if you see, everything else is pretty much more on the dainty side. But I wanted a, a more bolder piece with that shape because I think the shape is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted a larger piece that had a little bit more meaning. Uh, Gianna means graciousness. And, you know, names also have meanings uh, as well. So um, the locket is a way to keep loved ones close to you. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I, you know, lockets have been being made for years. But I did, I did do the locket in, in my way. You know, I did it big. I did it bold. I used, um, my first one was the Ethiopian opal. Um, but I have been asked to, you know, to customize the center stone, and I've done, you know, custom designs for people as well. I have the pink sapphire and the emerald one as well. And um, it, it's meant to, you know, to put a picture of whether it's a pet or, you know, somebody that has passed over or your wedding picture or your kids um, in there. And I think that it, it just, it adorns any outfit, and it's definitely um, a statement piece when being worn. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's the whole idea. It, it's, it's a modern take on a, an old style, you know, that has been in existence for a while. But I just did it in my twist, in my way. I love it. And it's the perfect combination of what you were describing earlier, how you have the the bold lines, but then there's enough curve in it to make it very delicate and feminine. But you know, don't don't get me wrong, it's a bold piece and it stands out, but it's not something that is over. It doesn't go overboard. And I right. love that it has that secret that secret locket and the mirror. That's so unique. Yes, yeah, so when, while I was designing it, I'm like you know, wouldn't this be really special if women, you know, can use it to put their lipstick on? So (laughs) actually, um, I guess you could say it is part heirloom because the little mirrors are actually, they're from antique um, mirrors from years ago. They're they're from other pieces. So because it's a very, yeah, it's a very thin... um, thin size mirror so um, I have somebody that cuts them um, custom but they're taking them from antique jewelry and antique um, little com- compacts from years ago so oh, it does geez. have a little bit of yeah so it does have a little bit of history in it that is so cool what made you decide to work with antique mirrors did they were they thinner than modern glass Yes. So when I decided um, to to add that feature, um, I went to a couple of people and I found this one gentleman who actually works 
works with that, and he repairs um, he repairs old lockets, you know, because things get broken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, can you can you custom bevel, um, you know, a piece and and fit it into into this locket? And you know, I left it with him, and he he came up with that, and I think it was just a fabulous you know idea. So I loved that little aspect to make it, you know, a little bit more personal and, you know, bring a little bit of, of antique old world, you know, into it. Yes, definitely. That makes it even more intriguing. It's um, certainly beautiful special pieces. Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to focus on? We talked about your background and how that has um how that has played through, played out through your your jewelry career, and um, not only your fashion background, but your family's background. And then we touched on a couple of your your collections, and that you will customize, and you can customize. What else can you share with us about your collections, and you know what direction you're going in? Sure. Well, I also. Um because I have a fashion background, um, my collections are also inspired by, by current fashion. And when I say that, I always look to see what the Pantone colors for the season will be. Mm-hmm. And this allows me to, to find or source what gemstones I'm going to add into the season. Mm-hmm. So it might, not, it might not be a new, whole new collection, but it could be a piece with a with a new colored gemstone on top. So when I when I designed the cabochon rings, I used the Pantone colors. Um, let me see here. I have them. Sweet corn, which is that um, kind of mother of pearl look. Mm-hmm. And then it was princess blue. So I think that um, some of the pieces actually blend with the princess blue. Uh huh. Um, and then living coral, which is where the peach moonstone came from. Oh. So I don't always actually use the color, but I I I like to blend so it could be wearable with the actual fashion colors. Right, right. It's funny because I see them post the Pantone colors, and a lot of times I feel that the general public is resistant to to embracing them. So like we. How do you encourage your customers to follow trends so that you can implement them into your designs? Well, I I also you know not everything that you know not everything that's on the runway is wearable. Yeah. And not and not everybody can wear a certain style. You know, some people look good in bell bottoms. Some people look good in in skinny leg jeans. Mm-hmm. So. With that being said, not every color, um, you know, someone's going to like. So that's why if you just use splashes of the color, just to be and feel current. So like Mother of Pearl, let's say. Some people don't like color. Some people don't like peach or don't like, you know, a bright blue uh, to go with Princess Blue. So Mm -hmm. I always try to throw a neutral in there. Um, for someone who is more of a black and white type of person. Mm-hmm. But let's say they are wearing something in a coral family. The mother of pearl 
a piece of jewelry on rose gold will complement that outfit. Right. That's true. I, I love that combination anyway. The white with the rose gold, it's just so classic and beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a rich color. So you have to kind of, you know, design kind of in between the lines too because not everybody's going to like everything and you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, you know. Right, right, yeah. So for fall, I'm looking at, they have the fall colors that came out mm-hmm. and I kind of love that chili pepper, which is a very um, spicy red. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, I'm thinking of that, but I'm also liking the Eden, which is kind of a malachite color. Um, so I'm, I think I'm leaning towards malachite to throw uh-huh. some malachite in my collections nice. um, for for fall. And I think I'm going to do it with my Stellara, which is um, a very bold and just gold and diamond right now, but I'm going going to manipulate that and add some color to it. So it's going to be exciting to see what you think when I finish it. I can't wait to see that. It's the ring that kind of looks like a curved piece that's open. Yes. So I kind of, it's a geometric that I curved a little bit. I kind of softened the look a little. So I think I'm going to play around with some inlay with that cool. piece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that working really well for that. That's going to be really cool, Gigi. I can't wait to see it. And another another uh, collection that I'm going to be launching actually in, at Premiere, which I'll be, be doing next week, uh-huh. um, is a personalized initial collection. It'll fall into the Lucia pieces and the Lucia okay. rings. Uh-huh. And they'll also be uh, customizable. Um, it, it'll be an initial collection. Right now I have pendants and rings. And I believe that Diamonds in the Library, Becky, mm-hmm. is going to be talking about it. I haven't shown it yet. So I think she might uh, premiere it for me on her nice. page. Nice. So we, oh, good. Yeah. So we can look out for that coming soon. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It, I am so happy for you to see how well you've done and see how far you've come, even in just a year since I saw you last year at JA. It's so exciting. It, it, it is exciting. And, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, I kept saying to myself, well, when is this going to really happen? When is it going to happen? And, and you know what? It's happening. <laughs> it's happening my jewelry is selling Um, I I really have not had any returns on anything that was sold Um, you know I'm not in 20 I'm not in 20 stores but that's okay Um, I'm very selective in in the stores that I do want to be in Um, and I don't want to be everywhere uh, but I do want to be in the right places and you know that that's my you know that's my moving forward so I'm I'm very happy with the progress right now and I'm very excited on what's going to happen you know uh, at premiere and for holiday really excited yeah that's that's great Um, oh and congratulations on your in-store award thank you thank you so much I do a coordinating blog post 
but that's something that always comes out with um, with a podcast as well. So I'll do I'll do a blog post that is probably released the following day on Friday um, okay. of our conversation, and then some of the pieces that we talked about. And, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really excited to share your story, and I hope that this helps um, get people to your booth when you're at Vegas, and then again at JA. Thank you so much, Brenna. It was really, really a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Gigi. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you again, and we'll watch for your post from the show. Okay, and I'll be at, I'll be at JA, and I'm excited about that because they're combining it with New York Now. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Gigi. And I okay. will um, send you the link as soon as it's published and let you know what images I need. Okay, thank you so much, Brenna. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To follow along with Gigi Ferranti at the premiere show, her Instagram account is at Gigi Ferranti Jewelry. You can also follow me. I will also be posting some special posts of her jewelry and some of my exclusive pictures that I took last summer at the JA New York show, you can follow me at Jewelry Navigator on Instagram. My website is jewelrynavigator.com. So in a day or so, I will have the coordinating blog post up for Gigi Ferranti. Thanks so much for Gigi being a wonderful guest. And if you're in Vegas, please stop by and say hello. If you heard this episode, make sure you Stop by and tell her how great she did and take a look at her jewelry. She's in booth 2203. Thanks a lot. And until next time, cross-check your sparkle. Bye-bye.